Hello out there, bibliophiles, and welcome back to another episode of Drew Archives in 10. I'm Andrew Salvati, and today I am with Dr. Brian Shetler. Brian, how you doing? Doing well. Getting ready for the end of the semester. Good, good. So what do you have for us today? So today's item, I'm going to loosely call a book, but it's not a book in any form that probably any of us are really familiar with. It's a bit unconventional, but it has its roots in some uh, early Victorian designs. So the text we're looking at is actually from 1984, but it really brings up sort of echoes of the past, what are called peep shows, which is not as lewd as it may sound. Mm. Um, These are Victorian era, again, books is, is the best term I can use, illustrated stories, so to speak, that were originally produced in the 19th century to allow children, mostly mostly children was the main audience, to allow children to sort of place themselves in a particular setting. So in some cases, it would be to to watch horse races in France, to look at uh, ancient Egyptian ceremonies, to do anything that would be sort of outside the ordinary for mostly English 19th century children, giving them a chance to sort of look into the world uh, of a place or a time period they're completely unfamiliar with. And this was accomplished, these peep shows, by creating sort of accordion-style printed items with literally tiny little peepholes in the front of them that allow you to get your eyes right up close to it and look through to see the story unfolding. Yeah, wow. So you would look through this, right? Exactly. So you look through the front of it, and I can, if it's all closed up, you can see where exactly where the peephole is. In this case, this is a, a book by Edward Gorey from 1984 called The Tunnel Calamity. Um, and he's using, as Edward Gorey often does, very traditional sort of Victorian stylism in terms of like you know, these penny farthing bikes, the, the costumes, the clothing has a very Victorian sort of cartoonish look. Uh, and in this case, he's created a story using a peep show setup with that sort of long accordion look where you're looking out one end down this sort of accordion style setup. His is in, in a, set in a tunnel, which of course makes a lot of sense has that same sort of setup where you're looking from one end down to the other. Yeah, so it's almost like uh, one of those, you know, kind of old, uh, like, accordion cameras almost. You're looking through the one end and it kind of expands out. That's exactly right. Right, so it has sort of this bellows feel to it. That it right. can open and close in that form. So the actual text, the actual book, if you will, is not very large. It's fairly, uh, fairly compact and really tight and small when it's closed up but you can expand it. So what is about an inch or so wide when fully closed, when opened uh, is about a foot and a half, almost two feet in length when fully opened at its, at its peak. And essentially within that foot and a half or so are individual images, and I'll angle this as best I can for the camera here, individual images or scenes that tell the story that Gory is trying to tell. And gotcha. each scene sort of builds upon the one before it. And you're getting essentially a, um, this, it, with this accordion style, a sort of layering of the story in a visual form. There's no text at all in this other than the title page where it's okay. called Calamity and his name, Edward Gorey. Uh, but after that, it's all imagery. So you have images of different people. You have images of the scenery within the tunnel itself, including an, an interesting and strange looking tiger creature that's roaming the tunnels of this sort of made up Victorian England. And so you're, it's a visual tale. It's almost like a, a comic book or a graphic novel, 
no text at all. So you're, you're learning the story through the visual. Right. Yeah. And I'm trying to get my head around this and, and maybe help to describe it for, for our listeners. You, you would look in one end and you would uh, gradually, I guess, expand the accordion part. And that would be how the story unfolds, so to speak. Exactly. So I'm trying to show as best I can. <laughs> yeah. It's a little difficult with the, the technology, but I can, I can see. Yeah. So you're looking through the one end and then you kind of get this sort of like three-dimensional image of uh, or unfolding of these different, looks like characters um, that kind of progressively uh, fold outward. Uh, we, we have a little, a little girl, a mother, and the kind of 3D component of this is, is really stunning. Um, and, and Brian on the camera right now, uh, listeners at, at home, I know you can't see this, but uh, he's kind of... Uh, moving the eyepiece so that you really get to see the three dimensions to this book. Um, and you can kind of pan the eye hole around so that you can focus in on on different characters in, inside this thing. That's This is really cool. It's very cool. And it's, it seems sort of abnormal right, to a regular book, but it's the technology is very simple, right? It's paper and folds, and that's it. And there's the way that it's set up will change how you read it. So the order of the images, or even the number of images, changes sort of your interaction with the piece and, and the way that you would quote unquote read the text. Yeah, this is so cool. I mean, this is almost something that like reminds me of a school project that you might do in like third or fourth grade. You would make one of these things and you'd be told to kind of make a story out of them. I mean, this, this is really cool. And um, I had never seen anything like this before. Maybe some of our listeners are familiar with this sort of thing. But had, Brian, had you kind of been aware of this format before? I had been only in the Victorian era. So I, I knew about these sort of 19th century peep shows, but I'd right. never come across one in person before. I've seen them sort of in museum or library settings. Uh, and this is one that we actually purchased because of we, we didn't have any examples of it. And we couldn't afford uh, an original 19th century Victorian peep show. They, also, they often have a lot of damage to them. They can very easily get torn or have pieces missing. And they're quite expensive to purchase. So when we found this, you know, later 1984 edition of Edward Gorey's reimagining of a peep show, we jumped on it and were able to get it for a reasonable price. And it serves as a wonderful example of that time period, not only the physical structure of the book, but also his imagery as sort of speaking to a Victorian era in London. Um, so it ties in very nicely to, to the yeah. peep shows of old. Yeah, I can imagine that, you know, as, as, a, as a book that was intended for children, um, a lot of these, a lot of examples wouldn't have really held up over the years because these things were probably used and very well loved and probably came apart literally at the seams. Um, but this is, a, this is a fantastic kind of latter-day example. Definitely. And you're exactly right. So children's books often are harder to collect older children's books because of that very reason that kids are going to read them and enjoy them and tear them apart without really anything malicious. They're just enjoying right. the book. Um, and these peep shows even more are harder to find in good condition because they're so vulnerable to being torn or being sort of pulled apart. Um, so a, a later 20th century example will, will have to suffice for now. Yeah, I can imagine as an archivist, you kind of only have to hope that you know some some adult or maybe some older child at the time 
some of these things were produced kind of had that that foresight as a collector to kind of preserve these things otherwise yeah a lot of them are probably <laughs> destroyed through through much uh through much love exactly well and you know we'll, we take care of things the best we can here um, right but when they come here they may already be in sort of rough shape so we when we purchased this one we made sure that everything was in in contact and there were no holes or no no rips or tears um, before we even made a purchase on this particular one. So is Gory someone who is known for this kind of, I don't know if I want to say nostalgic, but this kind of throwback genre play almost? Certainly. And his, he sort of had a fascination with Victorian culture. Um, so he was, an, he was an artist and an author, and he, um, he created a lot of really striking visuals that pulled in elements of the Victorian period. He, uh, he was alive from 1925 or so until I think 1999 or 2000. And really it was sort of this Victorian and also Edwardian settings for a lot of his works that really got him the most attention. Um, and he's a fascinating person to look up. If you don't, if listeners don't know him, uh, his, his material is really great um, and visually just very pleasing to look at. Uh, we also have another gory in our collection that's, that's a retelling of Dracula, which is very cool, but drawn in, and again, this sort of cartoonish Victorian style but what's great about the book is actually it can be torn apart to build a set so you can read aloud the story of Dracula using characters cut out from those pages in the book. Oh, wow. Cool. So he has a lot of interactive elements to his works. That we have not taken apart because we want to keep it whole. Sure. Uh, <laughs> it does give you an idea of sort of, the, um, sort of the interaction that he hopes his readers have with his material. Yeah, and again, it kind of points to the sort of ephemerality of some of these genres of of texts, right? That don't necessarily lend themselves to preservation at all. So it's it's great that that we have some examples of these, and that someone like Gory kind of reimagined uh, the the format. Exactly, uh, and this is the back of the book that I'm showing now, and it's actually a series of what they call magic windows. Perhaps Peep Show uh, did not work as a as a monitor yeah. <laughs> at this point in the 1980s. Uh, so this particular company, it's uh, Putnam's and Sons, they've produced other versions of this same sort of peep show design, the supporting design, what they call magic windows. Mm -hmm. But what's great about our copy is not only is Gory's art really amazing with his text, there's two interesting things on the back, the very back of the book. One at the very top is it says, to Whitney from Karen. So at some point, someone bought this and gave it as a gift which is really great. And so we have sort of a history of, again, usage and reader interaction with the text. And then even more interesting and important is in the middle, right above Edward Gorey's name uh, and the title of the book, his name has been crossed out and he has signed it himself in place of his own printed name. Oh, wow. Signed edition of this book that was at one point gifted from one person to another. Uh, and is really a wonderful example of uh, sort of the life history of a book where it's been held and handled by many different people, including the author himself. Yeah, that's that's so great. There it is. There's his name. Indeed. And uh, for those of you who will post some pictures along with the podcast, but it's really worth coming and seeing in person. And you can actually look through the little people at the front and see the story unfold for yourself. Yeah, that would be great. Hopefully, hopefully sometime very soon, uh, our listeners will be able to come in and and take a look at this uh, magic window and, and through it as well. Exactly. Thanks very much, Brian. You're very welcome.
One last programming note before we go. This will be the last episode of season one of Drew Archives in 10. We're gonna take a short break over the holidays before starting up again with season two, which will launch during the spring semester of 2021. So just a few weeks from now, so stick around. But on a more bittersweet note, today is also Dr. Shetler's last appearance on Drew Archives in 10. He'll be leaving Drew University for a position at Princeton Theological Seminary. So yeah, it is it is definitely bittersweet and I've really loved my time here at Drew, both as, a, as an alum and a student and as a head of special collections. And I'll be doing the same exact job essentially at Princeton Seminary Library that I'm doing now. So I'll be head of special collections and archives there and uh, getting to work with a whole new collection and, and highlight some new uh, finds that I'll discover as I start my new position. But it's been wonderful to, to do this podcast with you, Andrew, and I can't thank you enough for putting it together to allow us to share with you the material that we have here in the archives, especially at a time when people can't come in and see the items for themselves. Yeah, especially now, right? Well, I mean, it's been great. Thanks very much for, for playing along with me as well. We're, uh, we're, we're sad to see you go. Again, it's, it's a bittersweet moment, but hopefully we'll be able to have you back and maybe you'll share some uh, items from, from your new collection uh, with us at Drew Archives and 10. That would be great. And so, in the meantime, your new co-host or uh, guest host will be Candace Riley, who's going to be the interim manager of Special Collections after I depart. Um, and she's a great person to work with and will be a good contact for our listeners to reach out to if they want to come and see the archives in the spring. Yeah. Uh, so Candace Riley will be joining us uh, for season two of Drew Archives in 10. So we will see you all listeners then. Uh, stay healthy, stay safe, and we'll see you next time for season two, episode one of Drew Archives in 10.